Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. my wife. She's all right. She did great. I love her. Yeah. Yeah. The applause is for like, good job staying with that guy. (laughs) Uh, So my name is Daryl. I'm the pastor at Arbor Bridge. Um, I'm super grateful that you're here. I want to share a couple announcements before I get into the message. Um, So um, my friend Penny is leading our church family in blessing our college students, the, the student, the people who are part of our church family who are, who are in college and getting through that with some encouragement. Um, so uh, she brought up the idea of giving um, gift cards to them and encouraging notes. Um, you could do both. You could do one or the other, um, but you don't, you don't necessarily have to do both. And we, uh, we wanted to make that clear. Um, so there are, there are some cards out there. If, if, uh, if maybe you're, you, you're tight on money right now and you can't, you can't uh, help that way. You, you still could write a note to our, our college students. That would be wonderful. Um, we want to be able to collect all of that by um, next Sunday, um, which is uh, November 20th. So I'd love for you to participate in that if you, if you, are, if you are willing. Um, I wanted to bring up to you uh, that uh, if you um, are a part of our church family and would like to see her continue or flourish, um, you can uh, invest in her by um, going to uh, arborbridgechurch.com forward slash give. Um, you can also invest in her um, by doing, uh, using mail, send your checks to 2500 South Main Street. And then if you're here with us in person, there's a, there's a box in the lobby um, that you can invest in our church family. So um, yesterday, my wife uh, led a team of people, led, led a team of volunteers to help raise money for our church family through football parking. So a big thanks to her and her team of volunteers, um, Chris McClure, uh, Brandon Horman, um, and my wife, uh, and Carrie, my friend Carrie Kaltwasser, thanks for your help. Uh, th- it was snowing yesterday during, before the game, so uh, very, very generous of them to be out there helping for that. Um, each, of our, each of our Michigan home games, we charge fans to park their cars here. Um, and so uh, that helps us exist and be able to be Christ in the lives of others. So the next game is on November 19th, which is a week from yesterday. Um, I think there's one more sign-up spot. You can sign up for that at... Uh, arborbridgechurch.com forward slash football. Um, if you could help with that, that would be great. Um, let me pray for our message today, and then uh, I'll, I'll have some, some important thoughts I want to share with you. Um, dear Father, uh, I pray for our time together that you would help me to, uh, to communicate um, the thing that Montina read about, the, the thing that happens when we are... Uh, we are together as a family. Um, uh, help us to become that thing. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so I want to st- just start by thanking you. Thank those of you guys who are a part of our, uh, the participation in our fall family gatherings recently. Um, over the span of, of a week, our church family met three times um, in small groups all throughout the city. And, and basically in those group meetings, you know, we got the opportunity to share together and talk together 
uh, about what we want our church family to be or what, you know, what we'd like to be more of. Um, you know, uh, we, we, we talked about what it looks like to become more Christ-like together. Um, and we talked about how we uh, faced our challenges, what, you know, what challenges we're facing and how we're going to do that. Um, and it was extremely valuable to have you guys participating in that. It's very meaningful for me. So thank you for being willing to do that. Uh, it's valuable for our group, for our, um, for our church leaders. Um, as a group, the group leaders, we shared our notes together. We took notes on what you share and then we shared our notes together. Um, similar themes kept coming up in this conversations that we were, you know, you guys were talking about this over on this side of town and we were talking about the exact same thing. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, people were asking for a relationship in different ways. They kept asking for the same thing, relationship, relationships with, with people who, who, who celebrate you when, when you're winning in life and relationships with people who, who you knew well enough to walk with you through hard times and pray with you through difficult things, um, connections where there's this ever increasing trust that's being built. Um, and that, that led to more character and led, led to more integrity and led to more trust and trust in God and trust in each other. Um, the, you guys were, you we're asking for a community that helps you grow and motivates you and to be better, um, to, to better than you could be on your own ever. Uh, we were asking for, for people in our lives uh, who would confess their sins to each other, to be willing to, 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 to actually do follow that command that's, that we're given in the Bible. Um, that, that, and, and, and you knew that when you confessed your sins to, to, to one another, that that wouldn't lead to being loved less. Uh, we, we were asking for relationships like that. We were dreaming of like a band of brothers or a band of sisters where, where you're encouraged to share your story. Um, and, and even if it's messy, even if it's messy, you said, please share your story. We want to hear it. And, and where, where we hear those stories and we bear each other's burdens be, because we are this indescribable thing that's that we've been called to be this, this group of people that that's family, but more something, something different, something different. And we, we want to show the love and grace and acceptance to people. Uh, and that can't happen when I, when we don't know each other, how can I accept you if I don't know you? Um, this, we, we wanted to create an atmosphere of acceptance that enables people to become who everything that Christ be, it has dreams for them to become. Um, we want to show, we want to show that kind of acceptance to people. We want to hold each other accountable. Um, th- there's this desire to, to, to conform to the person of Christ amongst you. You guys kept talking about this idea of how do we become more like Christ together, together. And that won't, that won't happen when we, you know, when we try to do it on our own, we, we, we want to learn how to forgive each other and not hold grudges. We want to hold, learn to, to slow down and listen more. We, we, people talked about the idea of wanting to, to savor what, what we have here. I mean, be, be grateful for it and, 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 and stop being frustrated about what we don't have and be grateful for what we do have. Uh, we want to appreciate the size of our church and learn to lean, how to learn how to lean into it. Um, and and the, the kind of closeness and, and togetherness and unity that can happen because of our size. That's more challenging when you're bigger. Um, we want to interact with God and his word in a way where he develops us into the people that are able to experience more and more and more relationship with him and deeper relationship with each other. He turns us into people of integrity and character that, that have the capacity for more relationship. 
is, is great for me to see that that's what you were wanting. That's what you were asking for. I think the thing that we're talking about, the, the thing that seems to be built into our hearts, um, but it's hard to explain. It's nearly impossible to, to it's nearly impossible. To, it's hard to explain, but almost impossible to achieve. That thing that, that we keep talking about, uh, that we want to have with one another is more than like a, a better worship service. Although, you know, there are certainly comments about how to make this time together better. It, it's, it's more than, than, than small groups. I mean, there's some suggest, suggestions about starting small groups and I'm, I'm sure that'll be a part of what we do um, next. But, but you guys, you know, what you, just, you guys described is more than, than most small groups than, than any of us have ever been a part of. Uh, I think what we're talking about is, is more than that. I think what we're talking about is the same thing as the thing that Jesus meant when he used the word church. But I, I, don't, I don't think that we'll be able to become what Jesus was talking about by just trying harder or just by organizing more events together. Um, I, I don't think we'll be able to become what you guys are asking for, what you are talking about by, by scheduling more things. Um, have you ever been in a conversation with someone and both of you are using the exact same word, but it becomes clearer and clearer in the conversation that both of you, you, you are not meaning the same thing when you're using that word. When I talk with Jesus about his church, I'm not sure that I mean the same thing that he means when he says the word church. Like, I mean a gathering of people. I mean, I mean bringing people into this room on a Sunday morning, enough people so that when I come in here that my ego feels pretty good because look how many people are here. That, that, I mean, that's kind of what I mean. I mean a group of people who cooperate together for like financial and numerical goals so that we can... What I mean is a group of people who have conversation after Sunday morning worship service but don't have any authority to call me out on anything. I mean, a gathering of relationships that don't really require much of me, but that I can expect a lot out of uh, whenever I want or need them. And I think Jesus will pull me aside and humbly say, you know, Daryl, you and I aren't meaning the same thing when we use the word church. We don't mean the same thing. In our meetings, you described, you described this incredible community of people and, and this supernatural relationships. And, and I, I think, I think what you were describing is what Jesus meant when he used the word church. A man named Peter, um, one, of, one of Jesus' closest followers while, while he was on earth, um, once Peter Peter was, was, was talking with Jesus and Jesus asked him, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. No mere human showed this to you. My father in heaven showed, this, showed it to you. And just pause and just say this. He says Jesus is, is the Messiah. And Jesus pauses and says, whoa, that didn't, you didn't do that by yourself. And I think that's really interesting. It's interesting to note. So when we confess that Jesus, Jesus is the Messiah, that's, 
something that the father did, not what you did. And I want to bring up, bring up this, that what we're talking about when we use the word church, we cannot manufacture it or make it happen. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. No mere human showed this to you. My father in heaven showed it to you. And here's what I tell you. You are Peter and on this rock, I, I will be. Isn't that interesting? On this rock, I will build. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be strong enough to destroy it. Now, if I build something, then the gates of hell can destroy it. But if Jesus builds something, Jesus says, I'm creating this new thing, this thing that that I'm buying with my blood and nothing in this world is going to be able to destroy it. Hell can't destroy it. COVID can't destroy it. Political division can't destroy it. Crazy schedules and and, and frantic lifestyles can't destroy it. Our depression and anxiety can't destroy it. In fact, Jesus says, I'm going to use your mental health struggles. I'm going to use your health to make my church stronger even. Jesus says, I will build my church. Some of you guys know that, that, um, Matthew's biography of Jesus' life was originally written in Greek. And the Greek word that Jesus uses for church here um, doesn't have to be a religious gathering. It's just a gathering. It, 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 when he says the word church, he uses a Greek word that doesn't mean anything religious, which I think is really interesting. Could mean a com- community group or a neighborhood community or whatever. Am I Ann Arbor community? But he sets it apart when he says, I will build my church. I will build my community. I built it. I bought it. It's mine. It's a community, but it's more than that. Uh, It's a holy community. It's a sacred community, A, a sacred community bought with my blood. And nothing in heaven and or, or on earth will be able to stop it. Nothing will be able to stop it. I, I think that's what we were talking about. I think that's the thing that you're dreaming of. I think the thing that when, when we got together in those groups, I think that's the thing that, that, that is in your heart that you are wanting. That is what Jesus meant when he used the word church. And that is what we're asking for. We're asking for a sacred community. I was listening to a book um, by writer and author Mitch Album. Uh, Mitch is Jewish. Have you ever heard of Mitch? Mitch writes for uh, Detroit Free Press for a long time. So in his book, he talked about something that Jewish folks call Kahila Kadosha. Um, and uh, they use that phrase to describe their most intimate gatherings. Um, the, 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 the most precious bodies of people, they use this phrase Kahila Kadosha to describe what that is. Um, and, uh, or, or they use it to say, this is what we want this group of people to become. We want this group of people to become a Kahila Kadosha. And in Jewish, in Jewish circles, they'd all be like, oh, yes. Kahila Kadosha um, is Hebrew for sacred community. Holy community. I think that's what you're describing last week. That's the thing that we've longed for. It's the thing that Jesus talked about when he used the word church, sacred community, holy community. When we say something's holy, all of a sudden you respond to it so much differently. 
because it's sacred, because it's holy, we don't give up on it because we disagree about something. Because it's, because it's holy, when you think something differently than me or something that makes me uncomfortable, you, we don't say, oh, nah. Be, because it's oh, sacred, you don't walk away from it because you're mad at me. It's, it's holy. So if it's holy and I'm, you're mad at me, then we, we, how do we save this holy thing? We fight for it. We fight to see the very best in each other. Uh, we fight, fight for it when, we're, when we hurt each other, um, which is inevitable because we're human. If we're together long enough, we're going to hurt each other. We fight to forgive one another because it's a, it's a holy community. And we take it seriously because we know it's power to transform us. We take it seriously because the expense. What did it cost? To make it. When something's expensive and it breaks, you think of ways to fix it rather than throw it away immediately, don't you? When you've bought something and it's you, you. Why is it? We're so quick to throw away community. Holy sacred community. When then the expense is so high. Instead of fixing it. I think this is what everyone was talking about. I think it's what everyone wants to hold on to. Because we know the power of it to be soul satisfying. And we know what we're doing isn't soul satisfying. Rushing around, doing whatever. So. It's sacred community is so satisfying and so wonderful. And we all talked about it and we all agreed that we wanted it. Why is it so hard for us to get? Why is it so hard for us to, yeah, let's do it. Let's make it. Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? So from our conversations, we found that the, the thing that blocks us from having it or from what we're, from what we're wanting, no surprise, time and distance and busyness, and life. And some of that can't be helped, right? Some of that, you know, some of that can't be helped. It's just part of how things are. Uh, the, the kind of sacred community that you described in our gather, you know, for our gatherings is it, so countercultural. It's against, it's against everything that's happening in our culture. Uh, so there was a time in our world where almost everything was built around agriculture. Um, almost everything. So, uh, there, and there are many things about that life that were very, very, very hard. It's not a life that I want to go back to and say, yeah, let's do that again. Um, author Randy Frazee uh, describes, describes that life like this. He says, you know, a farmer would get up before sunrise. Uh, he'd, be, he'd, be, he'd be up in time to see the sun. He and his family would work together during the precious hours of daylight. It was challenging physical labor. The good news was that when the sun went down, it was over. And They'd come in from the field and that family would eat together. They'd eat a meal together and talk with one another. And everyone, everyone would gather in the same room before bedtime for a story. And in most cases, you went to bed. When you went to bed, you fell asleep because you were exhausted. Before the Industrial Revolution, um, many people lived in isolated settlements that consisted of like 100 people. And you know those 100 people your whole life. 
But beginning in the, in the, in the, in the late 1700s, the Industrial Revolution began to change people's lives and how they did life. And in many ways for the better. Let's, let's be honest, in many ways for the better. So products were increasingly made not by hand anymore, but machines were making products, you know, and, and bigger and better and faster. And people began migrating from their rural communities of, of 100 people of rich relationships to big cities. And that's great. There's good things, good things, good things about that. But in many cases, for the first time, families were not with their sacred communities anymore. A Yale historian named Ben Sass reminds us um, that there's a, there's a time in our, in our country's history where uh, politicians were able to pass a constitutional amendment outlawing, outlawing alcohol. I want you to think about that for a second. They passed a constitutional amendment. Think about our political culture right now passing anything, passing that the sky is blue. Like to, to pass an amendment, a lot of people have to agree. They passed an, a, a, an amendment that said alcohol is outlawed. And when they passed it, something like 86% of the people agreed that it was a good thing. 86%. Again, in our political culture right now, consider, consider what it would take to get 86% of people to agree on something. And I think, how could that, ha- how could that happen? Here's how. Here's how. Ben Sass, the Yale historian, says this. It was because of all the substance abuse that was happening due to the emotional trauma of the shift from an agricultural, agricultural economy to an industrial economy. People making that move from, from all that community and moving to the industrial economy Here's, here's what's interesting. Ben Sass suggests this. He suggests that we now are experiencing a greater shift in, in, in culture where it, where from industrial to the digital culture. And he says this. He says the, the mental health crisis that we're experiencing parallels the substance abuse crisis, crisis they were experiencing back in the day. And he, he says the digital, the, 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 the digital revolution, so many good things about it. Great things. We're all kinds of access to all kinds of information that we've never had. All kinds of access to all kinds of products we've never would. Great things. Great things. Great things. But neither, not the industrial revolution or the digital revolution, none of the revolutions were designed to make us better at loving each other. They were not designed to make us better at community. <laughs> they weren't designed to say, how do I become a better person? They were designed to th- make things bigger and better and faster. They were designed to give us more of what we want or what we think we want more quickly. And Ben Sass says this, he says, our phones have trained us to want what we want more and more quickly. Think about how 
in conflict that is, and this is so, this is such a part of me, how in conflict that is with sacred community. With building like real friendships um, that, that develop slowly and unpredictably and mundane everyday ways of our lives. Sacred community is so counter, counter culture. Uh, it's counterintuitive to us. It, 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 to achieve it, can't be, it can't be one more thing piled on top of what we already have or already do. It, it, it can't work like that. Um, and, and the reason why we talk about wanting sacred community and trying so hard to find it is, is this cultural revolution is pulling us away from all those things. And intuitively, we know, oh, that's not right. But we don't have the strength to say, no. So when we get together in little groups and little meetings and we, we will all talk about it and we'll talk about wanting it. But there's something pulling us towards bigger, better, faster. The call of Christ is to be the church, to be a sacred community. It's not a call to more activity. I always think that, I think it's a call to more activity. So when we get together and we start talking about this or we talk about this in groups, I'm like, I'm scared of what it means. I'm like, how am I going to fit more stuff into my schedule? The call of Christ is into more activities to peace. So I need you to think about this. Do you want it? Do you want it? The call of Christ to be the church, to be the sacred community, is not the call to more activity or more stuff. It's the call to peace. Do you want it? I think you do. I mean, that's what you said in all these meetings. I think you do. It's going to take more than wanting it, wanting for it to happen, though. An author um, talks about the difference between wanting and willing. I want to learn Spanish. I want to be able to walk up to people who are Spanish speakers and I want to be able to talk fluently. Like when, when I, when you got, you guys helped, helped us, my wife and I go to Cancun recently, like for our anniversary, when we got there, I wanted to be able to walk up to all those Spanish speakers and just have a conversation with them. I want it, but I don't will it. I don't want to do anything that's uncomfortable in any way to get me closer to that goal. I don't want it to cost me anything in order to learn Spanish. I want to do Duolingo and think that I'm going to be able to speak Spanish fluently. We all want sacred community, but do you will it? Do you will it? Do you want it enough to say no to some good things in your life so that you can say yes to the best things? An ancient historian named Luke did a bunch of research into the life of Jesus and wrote it down. In Luke's account of Jesus, we find this, this one section where Jesus makes some similar, some similar decisions in his life that I think can inform us about sacred community. Listen to this. First one. At sunset, people brought to Jesus all who were sick. He placed his hands on each one and healed them. After, after demons came out of many people, the demons shouted, You are the son of God! But he commanded them to be quiet. He would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. At dawn, Jesus went out to a place where he could be by himself. 
The people went to look for him. When they found him, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must announce the good news of God's kingdom to other towns also. That is why I was sent. Second story. But the news about Jesus spread even more. So crowds of people came to hear him. They also came to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often went away to be by himself and pray. Third story. On one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called for his disciples to come to him. He chose 12 of them and made them apostles. Here are their names. And then he lists their names. One of my mentors, um, Randy Harris, talks about these verses. Um, and he, and he, he, he wrote notes on each section. He basically says this. Jesus is withdrawing from good things in order to do the best thing. He's saying no to good things to do the best things. Talk to his father. In the first section of verses, Jesus is healing everybody in the town. And they don't want him to leave. And he basically tells them, no, I'm leaving. People come to Jesus and say, Jesus, don't leave. And he says, no, I've got to do what I'm sent to do. In the second second passage, Jesus walks away from needing hurting people to pray. He says no to doing good things to do the best things. And in the last section of verses, he says of all night, Praying in order to create sacred, a sacred community of followers, in order to, to determine, I'm going to say no to this group of people so I can say yes to this group of people. So as we come, if we come, as we come to walk more closely with God, the, the chaos in our lives should recede. It, could, it shouldn't make us more chaotic. Jesus' ability to do things slow is connected to his willingness to say no. To say I'm not doing that. You and I have to quit acting like the whole of eternity depends on us saying yes to one more thing. We're processing the information that you shared. And our leadership certainly wants to listen to God for our next steps. How do we meet the desire of our sacred, you know, for our sacred community? And we're going to try to listen to God and plan some things for 2023. But, but honestly, what I keep feeling led towards is being cautious just not to add more things to your schedule. But just busy work. Yeah. Who wants that? How can we learn to be sacred community together? How can we learn to do that? And, and the thing that I'm, that, that's relieving and frustrating at the same time is that the Lord is the one who builds his church. We are just submitting to what he's asking us to do. For the rest of the year, let me ask you to do a, a few things. Consider doing a few things. And again, you pray about it. Maybe the Lord, this, maybe what I'm about to ask you to do, the Lord's going to say, Hey, you need to say no to that so you can do the better things. First, next Sunday um, is what we call our Thanksgiving Sunday, Thanksgiving project. Um, My friends Michael and Carrie have invited more than 100 families here 
so we can provide them with Thanksgiving groceries. We're also going to invite them to breakfast. Um, Roy is going to lead a team of people, um, and we're going to make breakfast for these guys. I want to invite you to serve people with us. Uh, some of you guys know this from experience. We can build sacred community by serving together. Uh, and again, let me say this. Uh, often when I'm thinking of building our church, I think of these extravagant huge things. I'm like, we've got to go to Africa together and do mission work. And when we do that, then we'll be a sacred community. And what Jesus, I think, is saying is like, it's in the low, simple, mundane, everyday, doing work together, showing up and in each other's life, going to the grocery store, minding our own business, taking each other to the doctor, non-glamorous, doing life together. I'm going to invite you to do that. You can sign up at... um arborbridgechurch.com forward slash Thanksgiving. Um, and let me say this. <laughs> let me add, the, to add, that, to add this to that. When you're a church leader, what you find is this. When we're doing some kind of serving together that makes us all feel good, like when I, you know, I'm called to serve in a way that makes me feel good about it. Look at me, I did some good serving. Wow. Ooh. I can get all kinds of people to do that kind of serving. But if it's a kind of serving that needs to be done, just as much as this other one that needs to be done, but it's not glamorous or doesn't make you feel good. You're like, when you walk away from it, you're like, ooh, I did not like. Harder to get people to do that. What I'm calling you or asking you to be a part of next week, it, it might just be that. It might just be we're serving, we're helping people get what they need. And that's all. Ask the Lord if you're supposed to be a part of that. And then if you are, sign up, arborbridgechurch.com forward slash Thanksgiving. The Sunday after Thanksgiving, I want us to begin preparing for, for to celebrate Christmas. Um, I want to I invite us to do some reading together that will help us be better prepared to celebrate Christmas. So uh, one way we, we create sacred community together is when we read something together, we, we become like-minded. We, come, we become to, to think or treasure Christ similarly. Uh, that helps us become a sacred community. So I, I want to I invite you to be a part of that. Um, I want to, and again, I'll introduce that um, on the 27th. So be here for that. But last, I want to bring up to you this. Um, Christmas Day is on a Sunday this year, um, if you didn't know that. So um, many of you guys are going to be traveling and be out of town. So you should say no to what I'm about to bring up to you so that you can do something better. Uh, but... Here's what I want you to do if you're going to be here. And even if you're not going to be here, I want you to, do, to consider being, doing this. Um, we're going to do a different kind of worship service that day that I want you to be a part of. So for on, Christmas, on Christmas Day, um, my, for forever, my wife has led our family. I've shared this with some of you guys. Led our family in giving Jesus a gift for the following year. Um, so, for example, one year, Montina gave the gift of forgiveness. She gave Jesus forgiveness for one year. So she spent that year talking with people she needed to forgive, um, doing the mental work to forgive people, doing the prayer work she needed to forgive people. It's great, it's, you know, great example to the rest of our family. Um, and and you know, this forgiveness is a huge, huge contributor to sacred community. Um, just great. So what I would like for you to do is pray about what Christ may be calling you to give him for Christmas this year and for 2023. Maybe it's leading a Bible study. Maybe you've never done that before. Maybe you, you've done it a hundred times, but 
Maybe he wants you to lead one. Maybe he wants you to be a part of one. Or maybe he wants you to, to give, to invest in our church family, to increase that. Or maybe he wants you to do that for the first time if you've never done that. Maybe he wants you to learn to, to, to be slow to speak and be quick to listen. Um, whatever it is. I would love for you to begin thinking about that now and commit to giving some, Jesus something for Christmas, seeing that it is his birthday. And then if you're willing and you're going to be here on Christmas Day, part of what we'll be doing is sharing what you'd like to give Christ for Christmas with each other. A great way to build sacred community um, is, is just to share where we're, where we're headed Hey, we're, we're heading our goals together. In just a few minutes, um, we're going to take communion together. Um, it's a time during our service where we think about the cost that was paid to make us a church. Think of this. Um, imagine that you have five children. And uh, they're adults now. Imagine you have five adult children. And they live in different places all over the country but they don't make much money. So you work overtime and you sacrifice and you scrimp and you save so that you could fly them all home for Thanksgiving. But when they get here, they're so busy doing work um, that they brought home with them. Um, They're so busy like binging their favorite TV shows. Uh, They're so busy getting irritated with one another that that you don't end up having that, that great, moment of family that you're dreaming of when you sacrifice to get them together. Listen to this. Be careful for yourselves and for all the people God has given you. Be careful for yourselves and all the people God has given you. The Holy Spirit gave you the work of caring for this flock. You must be shepherds of the church of God, the people he brought with the bought with his own blood. Uh, this verse, some of you know, is this verse is directed towards church elders, but I think it, it can apply to all of us. We belong to one another. The Bible teaches that we belong to one another. Be careful. Be careful for yourself and all the people God has given you, the, the, the the people who make up this church, God gave them to you. You have a responsibility for caring for this sacred community. Jesus bought this group of people with his blood. So let's not be so distracted and divided that we're not honoring what has been paid for. Let us, let us pray that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit would make us the church that Jesus paid for with his blood. And when you think of taking this, this sacred community casually, be reminded of what it cost. Would you commit to doing that? Would you commit for praying for that? Would you commit to being that? Do that while we take communion together today. Let's pray. Dear Father, you know 
you know the frustration of paying for something that is so expensive to have the people that you give it to or trust with it to, to, to be distracted away from it or to throw it away like it's... I pray that you would help us to be committed and open and surrendered to your picture of sacred community, of, of church. Not our picture, not our definition, but what, what you meant when you used the word church. We don't know how to accomplish it. We, we've shown that. We don't know how to create it or make it happen. Um, whether there's 2,000 people in this room or 20 people in this room, we still don't know how to create it. We don't know how to make it happen. We need you to make it. We need you to build your church like you promised, like you said in your word. Show us what, we, what our role is in that. Show us how to submit to that. We pray, we pray for this specific church. Turn us into that. Help us to surrender to it. Turn us into that. Help us know how to surrender to it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.